0: Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. I'm really excited to welcome today's guest. She's a working mom, a spouse, and a daughter of aging parents. So she's juggling a lot these days. Fortunately, she has a unique insight into the concept of balance. Ruth Ann Zentner has worked in the health field for 30 years, first as a massage therapist and currently as an acupuncture physician. Ruth Ann trained at the International Institute of Chinese Medicine in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But today she joins us from her home in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Ruth Ann Zentner, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So let's
0: set the stage by telling our listeners a little bit about where you grew up and what the neighborhood was like, that sort of thing.
1: Well, I grew up in uh, Queens, New York, which was pretty close to the city. And when I was a young teen, I had access to that. And I also moved into Manhattan when I was in my 20s. But as far as my neighborhood goes, it was very diverse, and I went to the public school system, and that was also great. And um, I grew up with two older brothers, and that also shaped my life and who I am today.
0: And how would you say that shaped your life?
1: I would say that they exposed me to things that I couldn't normally have done on my own, such as traveling cross country at 18 for nine weeks and then traveling throughout Europe at 21 for um, two months as well. Also musically and sports wise and I became very tough.
0: Oh okay so (laughs) did you travel with
1: them? Yeah I traveled with uh, one of my brothers who's two years older than me. Well that's
0: nice that that you weren't ostracized. You didn't feel left out right?
1: No no I was you know, I am still what somebody would call one of the guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm the type of woman who can hang with any kind of group, and especially with guys as well as girls. And uh-huh. I think that's because, you know, I had this upbringing where my brothers and I were just, I don't know if I want to call it equals, but, you know, we definitely learned to fight each other as well. So it wasn't all harmonious. But in my family, we always say, I don't always like you, but I always love you.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) So that was really, that shaped my life in that way.
0: Hmm. And would you say your parents promoted that?
1: Yes. My parents are in the highest sense characters. Uh They are the Seinfeld parents. (laughs) They are just, you know, they light up a room, for better or worse. (laughs) Um, Their form of communication is arguing, so it it really doesn't always feel very comfortable to be Mm -hmm. around them, Mm -hmm. um, except if they're on good behavior or they're not interacting with each other. But I will say that they just celebrated 60 years of marriage last year. Wow. And the, the quote I will give you to elaborate on that is, When they moved to Florida 20 years ago, all of my friends said the same thing. Together? (laughs) Interesting. That was really the big shocker that they're still together after Mm -hmm. 50 years and Mm -hmm. still battling. And maybe it makes You know, that gives some oomph to their marriage. I mean, I can't say. Mm -hmm. I just witness it Mm -hmm. from a distance and say that's not what I choose, but it works for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we'll we'll get to your parents a little bit later. I want to talk about your training in New Mexico at the International Institute of Chinese Medicine. Can you talk a little bit about that and what drew you to that?
1: Well, as you had stated, I started as a massage therapist. I was trained in New York. And um, and then I always knew that I wanted to step into a different field that was adjacent to massage but with more diagnostic ability. Mm-hmm. So I looked at other fields, and acupuncture was a burgeoning field about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and it just seemed like the right fit for me. And so I incorporate both massage and acupuncture in my work, as well as herbs and other manual techniques. And um, my experience in New Mexico, I lived there for nine years, and it is still a place very close to my heart. And the Institute had mostly Chinese doctors, and I did travel to China as well to study after my training for a little while.
0: So how did you wind up living in Florida?
1: Well, that's an interesting story. I moved back To New York City when I graduated from acupuncture school because Santa Fe is a very, how do I say this? There's so many therapists there. And I had spent 10 years there. It's a wonderful thing, but I wanted to move into a more diverse population. So I moved back to Manhattan to my uh, apartment on Ludlow Street in the Lower East Side and then i met my husband so we started to date he had ironically moved to florida he had left his wall street job and moved temporarily or or let's say to florida as a change of career and change of lifestyle choice and my parents had already lived here in very close to where he had moved and so it seemed like a really good fit at the time plus in 2004 there was a lot of movement. There was the housing boom, and a lot of younger people that had more aspirations were moving to Florida. So it was just the right time for opportunities to arrive.
0: Mm-hmm. And so where was your husband living when he was down in Florida?
1: He was living in Palm Beach.
0: In Palm Beach. Okay. And so he was going back and forth between New York and Florida? How yeah, did-
1: we both were. We okay. were kind of like, I still had my apartment. He still had an apartment in Manhattan. So every time he came back to New York, we would see each other in one of our apartments, and then I would go down to Florida often, and we probably never spent more than two weeks apart. We would travel other places and meet each other and do things, or we would meet in one of those respective places, Palm Beach or in um, New York. I would say about a year and a half, and mm-hmm. we got engaged.
0: Okay. Were your parents down here full-time at that point, just to remind? Yes. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you were seeing him in... Able to see them at the same time, so that's nice. If that was oh yeah, nice. they were thrilled. <laughs> and where your where were your brothers living at this point? Where are they now? Your they're brothers they're still
1: in New York. One's There's... in Manhattan, and one's a little bit outside of Manhattan.
0: So you probably see your parents more than they do.
1: Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I see yeah. my parents at least once a week or more.
0: Okay, so and so tell us a little bit about your husband's family.
1: Well, this is where the irony comes in again because. I managed to find a nice Jewish boy. (laughs) It was something that I was not looking for. I had not dated a lot of Jewish men in my life, just the way life goes. Mm -hmm. But here he was, and here I was, and so we had a lot of commonality. One thing that is different about us is that he's Canadian, but the Jewish community in Montreal is very tight-knit, and they're also immigrants from very similar areas to the New York Jewish population, like mm-hmm. the Ashkenazi and the that area of the world. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of commonality that we had. And mm-hmm. his parents just loved me right away. And mm-hmm. the same with my parents. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were just very similar in a lot of ways.
0: That's really sweet. So you became pregnant and you were, uh, you were a mom. I, I was going to ask you how being a mom has affected your work life.
1: I would say that it hasn't affected it too much because I was working more full-time when I when I was in New York. But when I moved to Florida, I decided to take a part-time position because I knew that I wanted to focus on other things as well, and motherhood was one of them. So shortly after I moved here, I did get pregnant, or, you know, it, it all happened in a nice progression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I maintain my three days a week at the office. And this- they're long days, 9 to 7 and then 9 to 1 you know, it's like three day, two days, 9 to 7, and one day, 9 to 1, and that seems to be a good balance for me so that I have a life outside of work. I have a lot of time to devote to my son and my husband, and I also feel that with those days I'm able to consistently care for patients and offer them a lot of options as far as timing goes.
0: Mm-hmm. And your employer, they were agreeable to having you come in three days? Were there any op- op- opposition to that?
1: That was the schedule.
2: Oh, okay. That's
1: what they had. They had an oh, acupuncturist prior to me, and those were the hours, and that worked for me. And to be clear, I'm not employed. I'm a self-proprietor in a chiropractic office. So so I have a lot of autonomy with mm-hmm. my schedule in mm-hmm. that way. But I'm still on those set days because they have other people on other days, and it's a multidisciplinary environment.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would you say has been your greatest challenge with juggling your work, with your caring for your child and your family life just generally.
1: You know, I can't say that I'm terribly challenged. I know that that sounds like I'm understating things, but I'm used to being a busy person and I'm also very good at slowing things down. Mm-hmm. So, I know how to take time for myself. I still do girls trips without my husband when I need it, and he does as well when he needs, you know, when events come up. We're, we we married late in life. We met in our late 30s. So we're fully evolved people. So, you know, we have a distance, but we do a lot of things together. If I have to say challenges, it would just be the usual challenges of having a child under mm-hmm. the age of eight. You know, he's eight, so mm-hmm. every step along the way has been a learning curve for all of us. We have a nice support system. We have good friends. Um, my parents, when um, my son was born, had made the choice to just enjoy him as opposed to help take care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are older, my my father's 88, my mom's 82, and so um, at this point, and so we always have had um, some help, mm-hmm. daycare, school now, and also nannies along the way
0: hmm So your parents live nearby. You mentioned your dad is 88 and your mom's 82. Uh, how is their health?
1: They are pretty great for that age group, I will say. You know, they fall into some categories where when things do develop, they could go wrong very quickly. So um, something like a cough could, let's say, put my mom in the hospital, You know, whereas if she were 10 years younger, she'd be able to fight it off better and it wouldn't have become um, a touch of pneumonia, for instance. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm seeing with my parents. So when things start to happen, we try to stay on top of it right away so that it doesn't progress into something that needs any further care and trying to avoid any kind of hospitalization at all costs.
0: Mm Are they active? Do they eat well? That sort of thing?
1: Yes, they do. Um, You know, they're very active. Um, My father swims every day when the weather is good, like now. That's great. My mom does not have any formal exercise program. she goes in and out of, but she's just an active person. She meets with her girlfriends for lunch every week and plays some card games, and they have friends of different ages and types, and they are... um, as I said, very animated and charismatic. So I would say, you know, having us close by has also been a real boon for their health. It's hard to quantify that, but I will tell you that having a grandson within 25 minutes of them has been a major plus, Uh for sure. Say we have two other, I have two nieces. Their Uh two other grandchildren live up north in New York. Uh And so they don't see them as much. It's a harder connection to keep, you know, when it's so long distance, but we did just see them for Thanksgiving. So they come down pretty often, too.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And what is their living situation in terms of the physical space, your parents? Um,
1: They live in a nice condo, and they uh, still have stairs that okay. they walk up and down every day. So that shows you something about their health. Uh-huh. And my dad is the cook of the house, always has been. At 25 years of marriage, my mom said, wow. okay, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> no cleaning, no cooking, and he took over, and oh. was, it's been great. So um, as far as that's concerned, you know, they're in a gated community. It's not a huge one, but it offers enough for them to um, stay social and connected with the outside world in that way.
0: That's really great because when you do, when you have options like that just makes life so much easier. In certain ways, not in all ways, obviously. But it's tough because I've had this conversation with lots of people my age and your age. I think I'm a little bit older than you. But we all talk about the wherewithal or lack of financial wherewithal and what do you do you know, with your parents as they get older and, and how your concerns are shaped by their ability to provide for themselves and live on their own, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, imagine if your parents had to live with you.
1: I'm not sure if I'm set up for it right now. We just moved into a house two years ago, a little farther north of West Palm. And I definitely had thought about some of the houses had what they call a mother-in-law cottage. Mm -hmm. And that was appealing to me, but the house itself wasn't. So we didn't go down that road I I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that I'm not there yet, and that scenario is just a little bit too, you know, not, not real enough.
2: Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know,
1: I, I'm not opposed to anything when it comes to what needs to be done.
0: And what about your husband?
1: That might be another story. <laughs> 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 I don't know. We definitely haven't spoken about that. I I just hate to you know can, do any conjecture on it, sure. but um, especially not having spoken to him sure. any length about that scenario. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you know it, it may be a situation where one of them is alone, and that might make that situation more important. Or mm-hmm. personally, I think that. Some of these assisted living or living situations where they have access to other people their age is almost better than living in a house where everybody's coming and going and nobody's home most of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's my thought about it. But if there was any need on their part to be closer to the family, then that might change things. I think that's what they would be looking at, too, honestly.
0: Mhm. So the to the extent that they have any caregiving needs right now, it sounds like you are the sole provider of that. Is that correct?
1: Well, I'm I would call myself more of an advisor because mm, okay. you know their health needs are taken care of by their doctors. Mhm both very diligent about seeing the doctors on a regular basis. They're still driving? Especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're still driving, Mm -hmm. both of them. And so, you know, I would say that my mother is kind of a a career, like like they call it a career criminal. Well, she's like a career doctor goer. (laughs) Like a week does not go by in her life that she doesn't see a doctor. If you averaged it out, honestly, Uh I would Uh tell you that. Uh And then my dad goes, but he needs much persuasion if it's not something that's really showing its ugly face. So uh-huh. he he's on the opposite end, everything's fine, no, I'm good, you know. So when he says something's not good, you know it's really not.
2: Mm-hmm. As opposed to my
1: mother who can just spend hours talking about how her toe hurts. Then you have to weed out when there is something serious about what it is. So right. I'm a real like detective when it comes to speaking to them. Is this huh. really serious? Is this more about attention? Is this something that I need to intervene should I go with them to a doctor's appointment which I don't often but sometimes I need to to get more facts because they're not always as forthcoming especially Mm -hmm. my father he doesn't always give you all the information until he's in front of a professional and even then he might just say no I'm fine Mm -hmm. and you know he's not so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: do you see this the 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 frustration that can occur with this kind of dialogue
2: oh sure
1: yeah
0: absolutely am. Right. Yeah, so what happened today?
1: Well, today there was just a minor incidence where my father's having some digestive disorders, but what's the right tool to use for it? In this case, it was constipation. So, you know, not to go into too much detail, but in an older person, that can be dangerous
2: because mm-hmm.
1: prolapse could happen, things like that, you know, and so you have to really use the right tools, whether it's a stool softener or something like that. So that's what was going on, and sometimes I even have a little sixth if I get a call at a certain time during the day, I get a little worried. You know, in most cases, they handle a lot of their stuff, but, you know, there are times where I'm there as a support. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't say that I take a huge role in their health care. I would uh-huh. say I'm on the outskirts, and when there's something more emergency-like or something that needs advising, that I will help to weed through the Western medicine. And to give my mother credit, she's very, very good. She's very knowledgeable, hmm. and she's very proactive. She's just a hypochondriac, so you have to weed out the hysterical nature of it and get to the facts.
0: hmm uh-huh. Was your mom working when you grew
1: up? Oh, yeah. yep. she worked in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. and she was a secretary for Mm -hmm. many, many years. Mm -hmm. And they both worked literally until they left New York, which was 20 years ago.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, my dad, he set up trade shows in Mm -hmm. the stagehand union around the city. Mm -hmm. And he was a big foreman in charge of a lot of different guys and a lot of different departments. And, you know, those trade shows are like show business. And you're dealing with a lot of characters, So he knew how to speak to everybody at their level, and he would walk miles a day, like the Javits Center. It's a huge space that he worked at, and not as much as other smaller venues, um, New York Coliseum and a lot of hotels around the city. But so that probably helped him in his older years, too, because he was an active person Mm -hmm. all of his life. And my mother, too. I mean, when you live in New York, you're walking upstairs, you're walking to the bus, you're, you know, like you don't realize how much activity you do. So I say that, you know, in that way, it it informed them in later years because they had an active lifestyle.
0: Mm -hmm. So you have a strong influence from Eastern medicine. How does that affect your attitude about your parents' health and their caring for themselves? Do you talk about your philosophy with them and how does it influence their care, if at all?
1: Well, yes. I mean, there's been a lot of new buzzwords out in even in the Western medical department, which is like probiotics and your gut health as well as food and other substances. That can lead to good health and exercise and your mind frame as well. So, I think that, you know, they're very used to me talking to them about this stuff for many years, and the doctors are mirroring that now. Interesting. They're not saying, oh, yeah, that's nothing, and they're going with it. I don't usually treat them with acupuncture that often, but I have. I uh-huh. definitely have. And Both sometimes of them. I'll use, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. herbs or other things, but not consistently. Sometimes it's a little too close, but I advise, as I said, and I also do bring supplementation and check to see that the vitamins they're taking are the right ones. But like I said, they, my mother in particular has, I'll go back to when I was younger and tell you that she was always ahead of the curve. She used to read this old magazine called Prevention Magazine. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you heard of it. I'm,
0: I am familiar with that magazine. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was a little ahead of its time. The irony about this, too, is that that stuff is from old-time medicine. So Mm -hmm. it's called New Age, but it's really drawing from old tenets of health that people are now seeing. Like, oh, look in different cultures, look at kimchi, look at sauerkraut. Those are all probiotics, yogurt in the Greek tradition, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that we've come away from some of our traditions, and that's why we need to resupplement and find balance.
0: Can you explain what a probiotic is for our listeners?
1: You know, I I wish I had a full definition, but <laughs> basically there are organisms that live in our gut, and they help to establish a healthy flora in order to cut down on bacteria and increase our immunity because they are meant to live there. <laughs> and so a lot of the things in our diet kind of strips us of this. And the more processed foods we eat and the more sugar and things like that, the weaker it gets. Our mm-hmm. gut. And so by supplementing, it's very important to reestablish that. Okay. And, um, and also, as much as I am into supplements of certain kinds, I also think that the best way to stay healthy and be healthy is through your food. I think that we, we have to make bigger efforts right now to find the real essentials of building blocks for our health in our food. There used to be a time where it wasn't as difficult, but now with a lot of pesticides in our food and the manipulation they're doing with the hormones as well as antibiotics in our meat products and poultry, You have to be extra careful, and you have to make bigger effort, and you have to spend more money sometimes, unfortunately. Mm
2: -hmm. But I
1: still think that instead of eating a handful of pills, making sure you have your leafy greens, making sure that the meat and the poultry and the fish that you eat is of a purer kind, and also making sure that everything you eat is as little processed as possible.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Are you raising your son with those Special foods, etc. Tell us a little bit about your son.
1: Sure, my son is eight, and I'm so happy to tell you that he's a good eater. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like his good. favorite food is pad thai. It <laughs> makes me so happy. That's hilarious. Because I have to tell you, when I was a kid, I was very unusual. My dad would. Say here, taste this. I would open my mouth and eat it. I never had any aversion to food. I was just always very open-minded, and my brothers were not like that. My oldest brother used to pick the peas out of his Campbell soup. Wow! Campbell soup. If you closed your eyes, you couldn't even tell if it was a pea. That's funny. They all taste the same. That's a lot of work
0: to
2: take peas. No. Well,
1: it tells you a little bit about him. So, (laughs) and my other one didn't like his food to touch. So I was unusual. And my son, he's pretty open-minded, and I'm not saying he eats asparagus, but he does eat a lot of green vegetables, a Mm -hmm. lot of fresh fruits of all kinds. When when I was pregnant, I had a little aversion to meat. My digestion was a little slow, and my husband said to me, I don't want my son being a vegetarian. (laughs) So he made sure that one of the first times he ate ribs, we actually took a picture of it. Uh You 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 had a brisket on hand. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so he does like meat. He's a total carnivore, but he also likes vegetables. And so, you know, we have a good balance and I do a lot of cooking in the house because Uh I like to eat my own food. Uh, Not that I don't eat out. I do. I love eating out, but I don't want to be at mercy of all of the extra things that a lot of these places add to the food. I want to know what goes into my food. Mm -hmm. And I like to cook. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: you know, you make a good point, too, about the fact that eating well can be expensive. And I think it's a real privilege to be able to eat well. And I include myself in that, too, because I cook a lot for myself, too. But it's so much easier to eat fast food and to eat food on the fly and not really think about what you're eating. It takes effort and it takes money. That's just the bottom line.
1: You know, yes and no. It does when you're talking about the higher level, like if you're buying organic apples. Sure. Things like that. Fair
0: fair point. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: how many do you eat a week? So if you spent an extra 50 cents or a dollar on each apple, it's still less than buying something like fast food. And, And this is my slogan about fast food. I always say, if you can remember the last time you ate it, then it's too soon. And I'm I'm really talking about the chains, and I won't uh-huh. list any of them, but I'll say the real chain fast food places. There's a lot of different places that have come out, like a mom-and-pop falafel places, things like that. They don't fall into that category as much,
2: uh-huh. I would say.
1: Uh-huh. Although, I will reiterate that you never know what's in those foods as far as the sodium and the sugar and the fat content. That's the place where people go wrong if they eat out a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. I just want to get back to your parents for a a brief moment and ask if you have any anecdotes about their health that scared you or were particularly dramatic that you can recall and what your experience of that was, if that changed your view towards their health.
1: I was not in Florida when this happened, but my dad did have open-heart surgery. He mm-hmm. had a heart attack. So this is where my mom comes into play because she's very observant and she's very smart. And so my dad was sweating profusely, and it was a cold sweat. And she saw him, and I think maybe he was going from the bathroom to the bedroom to lie down. And she said, what What are you doing? You're you're in a sweat. You're completely wet. And instead of him saying, I am you're not feeling well and I I need help, he said, Well, I just got out of the shower like he almost tried to cover it up. Uh-huh. He did not get out of the shower. <laughs> he was drenched in sweat oh. and he didn't know what to do. And so, you know, that's when of course and and to just add a little funniness to this story I'll tell you. So when she was retelling the story, she said, So I knew that he was having a heart attack so I called up the paramedics, I put my face on, and then they came. <laughs> <laughs> the way she says, I called up the paramedics, I put my face on. Like that was part of the journey that you oh, gonna right. do. it's like, a Jewish woman thing. So um that's I'm so making funny. fun, but the truth is that that's where some of the danger comes in when my father tries to downplay some of the emergency aspects. Or doesn't inform me or my mom in a timely manner that he's having some discomfort. He's having some Uh pain. One thing that he has had in the last year is he's had a couple of chronic urinary tract infections.
2: Uh And
1: that is something that's common in the elderly. It becomes harder to treat and in this case he did have to be hospitalized and he had to go on IV medication oh. which are both scary. Sure. It does break down the body when you have to do that. Mm-hmm. He um, has not had one in a while so we're just really hoping that whatever it was um, did clear up but the fact is the doctors still don't know why it happened and so that's another thing I will tell you in the health field with elderly people and my parents in general, there are times where the doctors can't explain why something happened. And then you just don't feel like you have any preventative measures. I mean, mm-hmm. you could use your common sense. I personally think he doesn't drink enough water. Mm-hmm. And that's another common thing in elderly people. They Absolutely. They, right? They really just don't. Yeah. are not thirsty. Mm-hmm. I get it. You're not thirsty. You're not sweating a lot. But you still have to use it like medicine.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: not drinking enough will cause a lot of issues. And maybe this issue I'm talking about today that he, they called me about could be related to dehydration too.
0: Uh-huh. How long ago did he have the heart surgery?
1: I think it was 20 years ago. Oh,
0: okay. So that was a while ago. And no recurrence of that?
1: So. No, okay. no. That's well, that's good. Great. You know, if you see my parents, they're in, they really are in very, very good health. You know, they—they they, he does not look like an eighty-eight year old man. He doesn't even seem that way. But there are certainly signs of his aging in terms of his mental acuity at times and um, hearing, of course. And both of them has decreased. But that just makes the whole thing funnier when you're around them, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, you have to talk louder, or they miss things, or you know, my—it's—it's it's always this kind of uh, humorous thing for my son when they reiterate something and it's. Said completely wrong and no uh-huh. so anyway, uh-huh. but I'm I'm not trying to make fun at all. Of
0: course not. Yeah. Has your attitude towards your parents changed as they've gotten older and perhaps more vulnerable? Although it doesn't sound like they're very vulnerable.
1: I may be painting the picture a little bit um, nicer than it is. Like I said, you know, they have been. They're very open to things escalating quickly. So I am on a constant alert pattern when I when I get a phone call. Like I said, sometimes my hair stands up a little and I go, oh, something's not right. Uh I could just tell. Uh And And I'm kind of right about it sometimes. But as far as my relationship and my patterns with them, I would say, unfortunately, because I've been living here for 10 years with them, I find that my patience has lowered. Sometimes I'm just not patient with them and their dialogue and how they portray themselves and their arguing and things like that. And I would say that there is a bit of the table turning that happens at this age. Um, I'm in my 50s, and so I feel like I sometimes act like the parent. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's not even warranted, and I'm, I'm just acting in a condescending manner, which is not necessarily fair to them. But it does seem like the progression that happens sometimes with adult children and their aging parents uh-huh. the level of impatience maybe me knowing more than they do about themselves or their bodies or the medical establishment, and that's not always fair. But sometimes it is the right thing, you know, to question these things and to try to tell them that this is more serious and you need to pay attention to it.
0: Would you say that your dad's cognitive functioning is a little bit more in decline than your mother's? Yes. And so how does she cope with that?
1: Well, it's interesting because we talk about this a lot because she'll tell me a story about something that he did. And it will be about her telling him that we're going somewhere. And then when it's time to go or when she reminds him again, he goes, you didn't tell me. And he gets really mad because, A, he's either in denial or, B, he feels like she's not sharing things.
2: So mm-hmm.
1: one or the other, and it mm-hmm. could be a combination, because I know he has some self-awareness to mm-hmm. it. And this is how I know, because I would tell her, well, Mom, can't you find a gentler way to remind him so that he doesn't feel that you're making him feel like he didn't remember? Like, And when he has these moments, can you be kinder to him when he's not remembering or something? And he said the same thing to her once. He just, you know usually he just gets really mad, but some one time he said, "Don't you think I know
2: mm-hmm.
1: that i that this is happening mm-hmm. or something so there's you know there's interplay between them that could be i guess as I said before kinder and mm-hmm. and his part too, I mean sometimes she'll say absolutely nothing, she'll just say something innocuous about plans they have, and he'll just tear into her in a very rude way and he'll go on and on yelling I can't live like this or you know really making it a big issue Uh so yes it is an issue and I do feel like they're dealing with it but again I feel like my dad is still pretty sharp Uh Mm -hmm. he is but sometimes I have to make sure that he understood and when I give him directions let's say I'm meeting him somewhere I've learned to repeat it in a very strict way, in a strong way, and then I will even have him say it back to me.
0: And is that sort of a recent phenomenon,
1: would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's recent. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I was telling you, my dad, he used to, he had like hundreds of men that were working under him. Yeah. And people in general, not just men. And so, you know, he's pretty sharp, and so he still is, and this is where the frustration comes in, because he was directing people. So when my mom tells him something that he feels like he should have known, he feels like she's not giving him the right information. Uh-huh. And it's very possible that she did. Or maybe, knowing her, maybe she said it to him in another room. You know, sure. <laughs> Like, I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's two sides to this. She Uh maybe didn't say it. Maybe she didn't look him in the eyes and say it. Maybe she said it when he was looking down (laughs) and wasn't connecting with her. Uh Because Uh I feel like that's what I do sometimes. I say, okay, when I really want one of them to to know something important, I I make sure I'm looking at them in the eyes just the way you would a child. Uh Because their mind might be wandering, and those are things that I think are important to make sure that they hear you and see you, and their cognitive ability is linked up while you're speaking.
0: Uh-huh. So outside of the way that your dad has responded to your mom in those situations, do you think that he's aware that he is perhaps declining cognitively?
1: You know, I don't think I've ever had a true conversation about that, where I've said, Dad, do you feel that this is happening to you and in what ways? Uh-huh. Um, but I think that it was revealed in that conversation, and there are times where he has gone to a certain place to meet me and that wasn't where i told him so you know he knew he messed up
2: and Mm -hmm. oh and
1: also he'll be driving and maybe not that he's not seeing the road nothing of that dangerous aspect but just kind of like maybe forgetting to make a turn because he wasn't thinking he was going there he was thinking he was going home or Mm -hmm. you know which honestly can happen to anyone and Mm -hmm. has happened to me, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. many times too. But, um, yes, there's just ways that I see that there's some things that are slipping. But, again, I I don't think I've ever had a strong conversation to that effect with him. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's so hard for men of that generation. My dad died at age 79, and I remember very clearly having a conversation with him where he said to me, and it was so touching because he rarely expressed any vulnerability with respect to his health and he said to me you know i just feel like it's take these days it's taking me longer to get my thoughts together and it was so touching to me yeah. that he would even admit to that cuz right. the the men in that generation especially they were tough guys, you know, and they don't want to think of themselves as nobody does. But especially men of that generation, typically, they just don't want to think about declining like that. And your dad being in such a mobile industry, you know, walking around a lot and being in charge and dealing with those tough guys in the union and probably doing quite a good job of it. It's hard having to accept that, oh, something's different now. And How do I cope with that? How do I even talk about that? And so it's tough.
1: Yeah, it is tough. And that's why I see this veneer of everything's fine with him. And that's the way he's always been. Just a a very typical male, like if it ain't broke and uh, I'm fine, everything's good. You really have to look beneath the surface sometimes. But I wouldn't say that when he is ill or something isn't right, he's not too proud to get help. Mm I do see him say that he's like I'm not dumb you know I need a doctor (laughs) or take me to the hospital I'm really not feeling well you know like Mm -hmm. those things have happened
2: Mm -hmm. consistently.
1: I'm just still trying to make it so that something catastrophic doesn't happen that can be avoided if something's preventable something's treatable at an early stage you don't want to miss it and that's where I am
0: that puts a lot of pressure on you as the sibling who's dealing with that how do you feel about that
1: You know what? I'm a caretaker. Uh You saw that from the beginning. First Uh of all, I grew up in a Jewish family with two older brothers, and Jewish families are very patriarchal. Uh You might think the women rule it, but in the end, the women make the food for the men to sit down at the table. Now, I grew up where my father was the caretaker, so it wasn't Like I grew up thinking that women had to do that. I choose to, I really am a nurturing person. Mm -hmm. I love to take care of people. So it doesn't even seem like an effort to me. My brothers don't say, oh, thank you for being down there with mom and dad. Like I reap a lot of benefits from having them here too. I enjoy them. My mom is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my teens, believe me, we did not say that. I remember my mom saying to me, one day we will be friends, <laughs> and it's true. You know, we were born on the same day. How about that? And we couldn't be more different. But we do share, as the Pisces, not that I feed into astrology so much, but we do say, share a, a level of clairvoyance that the Pisces and women do have. So we're very different in lots of ways. The connections we do have, we really try to embellish. Like, we love to shop together. So we go <laughs> shopping and shopping you know, have fun with that for whatever we do there. Even uh-huh. if we don't buy anything. We just like to be around each other and looking for things. And so, you know, we try to do that every other week or so, and it's mm-hmm. was fun. So what was yeah. the
0: turning point for you with her?
1: Um, I moved 2,000 miles away. <laughs> that really helped. <laughs> Believe me, I was like very, very um, – there was a, a distance and an appreciation for my family when I moved away that I wasn't able to really tap into when I was so close. Mm-hmm. Um, I also moved out of the house, so it wasn't like I had to move away. I was just destined to live out west because I would always been attracted to that lifestyle. But that distance, I find, as I had stated before, that it has gone away. Some of my patterns that I grew up with, as a, as a you know, in my family life, has returned to me. And I don't like it, honestly.
2: Like Jump what patterns? to your
1: mouth, you know, like uh, maybe always being right or an oh. obstinacy. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. You know, like the mm-hmm. pressman patterns of like this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to do it. What I'm saying is, once you move back to where your parents live some of those old reactionary patterns seem to come back to you
2: that Uh you've tried
1: to weed out Uh in your life because, Uh you know, they don't work. (laughs) Uh They're they're counterproductive to happy and productive relationships sometimes, but Uh you can't help yourself. So that's what I'm saying. I think I'm struggling with a level of impatience and some other things that I, I think I'm managing but I could be better at like maybe a level of judgmental, you know, like if I hear something my mom's saying, I'm immediately saying, I've heard this story already a million times. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, she starts to go into how something hurts her, and Mm -hmm. I'm already thinking that she's fabricating it to some (laughs) level, Mm -hmm. you know, or other things where maybe you don't really know the answer, but you want to seem like you do, and without realizing it, you're kind of saying something that is only half true. But Speaking as truth. That's another really good Mm -hmm. specimen trait.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say that you're a natural caregiver, and I believe you, but have there been any moments between you and your brothers where you've just disagreed on something with how to care for them or anything like that?
1: Luckily, we haven't had to make any kind of decisions like that. They're living on their own. Mm-hmm. We've had hospital visits,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's about it.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it really
1: isn't, we haven't had to decide to put an elevator into their house, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, they, there's There's right. nothing of that nature. My brothers, sometimes, I, I guess, I try to keep them in the know as much as possible, but I may... It's going to say maybe I won't tell them immediately if something's wrong. I want to know all the facts so
2: that mm-hmm. I don't come
1: at them with a half-baked story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm always constantly informing them. And they keep very close contact to my parents, too. Mm-hmm. Like they go months without talking to them at all, maybe mm-hmm. a week or, or more, you know, two weeks. So, um, yeah. That's so, lucky. But, you know, yes, it is. and And I do feel fortunate in that way. And I'm glad that I'm close by. And, you know, whatever needs to be done and happen, you know, I I do hope that we are all up to the challenge and that we can communicate in a way that we would be respectful of each other's needs. And I'm talking about my parents, you know, specifically, you know, whatever their needs are as far as their next step in living situations or health care.
0: Those stairs are a little concerning for me.
1: Well, actually, I think that it has increased their longevity because... This is know, true.
0: I mean, there's no question about that. And doctors will tell you that, too. But the falling is the number one thing that puts older people in the hospital. Not to create any fear-mongering here, but I'm sure you've thought about that. Obviously. I'm not the first yeah, time... You, no, yeah.
1: I I do. And my dad had a broken ankle many, many years ago. And he had a plate put in it, which he never took out which wasn't his fault. I mean, it happens that they put this plate in and then they have to break your ankle again to get it out. So in some Mm -hmm. ways, it's almost better not to. And Mm -hmm. it's not always the right trick. Maybe they don't do that anymore because we've come a long way. But so he has a very arthritic foot. And I do think about him falling, not just on the stairs, but just I know that his foot has gotten weaker. And that may be a cause for concern in the future as Mm -hmm. far as his mobility goes. So that's one of you know it's not his heart in this case mm-hmm. but it's something that can be um very yeah something to look and, out and, for and like you said especially the falling like, yeah i've seen him be unsteady on his feet and i don't think that he necessarily is as cautious as he could be
0: uh-huh so you have some concerns for their their future but sounds like you're sort of taking it one day at a time not panicking just monitoring
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. There really isn't much to do. They're in good shape, and the concerns I have, I just, I voice them pretty vocally, and I just have to make sure that they are listening and trying to follow their own instincts about their bodies.
0: Uh-huh. And you see them about once or twice a week?
1: I would say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely talk pretty often, and... Um, And I may see them once or twice a week. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: definitely. I just want to pivot because in this podcast, I talk about caregiving and I also talk about aging. So I want to ask, how do you feel about getting older? What's the hardest thing about it? And what's the best thing?
1: Well, I would say that I'm in a very good place in my life. You know, I did find the, the absolute right man for me. I have a really wonderful son. And we live in a very nice environment. We made a good choice coming to Florida. I say that it's not the perfect place, but it works for us. And as far as aging, I've inherited very good genes. So at 51, I feel that I look and feel very good and energetic. Mm-hmm. So it's not as much a concern for me. I definitely have, as I said, a lot of energy to do the type of exercises I want to do. I don't have a lot of pain in my body. As far as aging goes, those are the things that would concern me. Pain, long-term, chronic or acute, and also lack of energy. And, you know, as far as appearances go, I I think that genes have a lot to do. There's there's only so much you can do
2: uh-huh. to affect your looks. Uh-huh.
1: But whatever you can do, I do. I'm Uh not saying I don't do anything wrong. I certainly do because I believe in balance. So if I want to eat that chocolate donut, I will. (laughs) And that makes me less obsessive. You know, Uh that's the way I look at it. I'm like, Uh okay. Uh And I tell my patients, I say, if you want to do something that you feel is not in your best interest, and I'm making that a very vague statement, Uh at least enjoy it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Don't add the angst of stress about doing it. Just enjoy it and don't do it again soon.
2: Uh-huh. So
1: that that's what I think it is. And and I have to say I've never been somebody that really is afraid of aging. I, uh-huh. I there were times in my youth that, you know, I look back and I say, Ugh oh, you know, I don't want to be 18 again. Uh-huh. That was stressful. Uh,
0: interesting. Although
1: if I was, with the age, you know, wisdom that I have now, I probably would do it better. Right. <laughs> so if I was 18 with my 51-year-old brain, that <laughs> might be a different story. <laughs> right. But, yeah, so, so that's, that's my story as far as aging goes.
0: Okay, so what's important to you now and and why?
1: I think that, again, I would say my family is definitely at the top of my list, and, um, and I mean that in terms of my extended family. Gary's family is amazing, and um, I'm very fortunate to have such um, a caring and dynamic extended family. And then I've always, always been close to friends. And because I live different places, I've learned to keep up with friendships. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is a little bit of a balancing act to find time to call somebody or reach out to somebody. Certainly, social media has made things a little more accessible in other ways. That's, that's good. And I like that. And I just try to use that to my advantage. I'm not a slave to social media at all. But when it comes down to it, I would say family and friends, we are really huge travelers. We uh-huh. love to travel. And my son. <laughs> I always say this, my son was more places before the age of five than George W. Bush (laughs) when he became president. (laughs) I mean, he has been everywhere in the world and everywhere in the country, and um, he's a very flexible little guy, and I love that about him. So that's it, you know, travel, family, friends, and um, just trying to strike balance in, in my life about what's important.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Have you taken any trips with your parents?
1: We have, but not extensively. You know, when we grew up, we didn't have a lot of extra income. So when we were younger, we used to go to um, what they call the bungalow colonies in mm-hmm. upstate New York.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we used to rent a bungalow for the whole two months. And mm-hmm. that really shaped my life mm-hmm. because we were out of the city in the summer, in the woods. And we lived in this environment. It was basically an open community that didn't have gates necessarily, but kind of did. Like, people wouldn't come on the property unless you lived there. And I would spend all my day outside, no TV, no phone. I mean, we had a phone, but who are you calling at the age of 8 or 15? <laughs> you know, you're just you're just like with your summer friends. And yeah. And you're in the sun and in the pool. And I think that was a really important part of my life growing up. So when you say travel with my parents, you know we've done some trips, but really not extensively. Uh-huh. Not in old, your not adult abroad. life, in, yeah, and in, yeah, in my adult life, and even in our our younger life, like maybe we drove to Syracuse, New York. You know, we we um, went to Florida when we were younger a couple times, uh-huh. if I can recall now.
2: Uh-huh. You
1: know, but it really wasn't necessarily big in our in our lives to travel with our parents.
0: Uh huh. But your son is. It interacts with them, so that's a nice thing that he's getting interaction with his grandparents, right?
1: Oh my gosh! Are you kidding? Yeah, he's like an old Jewish man. He his friends come up and they meet, and they meet his grandma. He goes, "That's my grandma. She's crazy." Oh my <laughs> says. Because she's a character, you oh know. My God. I mean, but she kind of likes it, and the two of them. When he was born and she would, every time she saw him, she would buy him a little something, a little car, a little something.
2: Uh And
1: not not because she had to buy his friendship. I looked at her, I said, Mom, you like being three again, don't you? You Oh, yeah. She liked being a kid again. Uh She still does. So this is the way it works. He goes to my parents and he's just like owns the place. And my mom plays with him. She has all the toys and the dominoes and the trouble sets and the Monopoly. And my dad cooks. Oh, and wow. And he like, you know, he could tell when he's tired. He could tell when he's hungry. And he's like, you know, it's a role reversal. <laughs> like
0: oh, my, my God.
1: And it's always been that way. My dad's always been like the more nurturing. My mom's her father was a, um electrician, so she's huh. got a mechanical mind. She fixes huh. things in the house. Wow. I know. And it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. But it's true. And then my dad, he has such a sixth sense about what, people need and I know I get my sense of touch from him like he has very good hands you Mm
2: -hmm. know and that's
1: when I went into massage like I know that it comes from his talents in that way and they both have been artists too Mm -hmm. in their lives Mm -hmm. and they have artwork in their walls oh that's really cool printed so you know my side is a very artistic side and Mm -hmm. so my son he really adores them and he's very fortunate to have up until this year, my husband's mother died.
0: Yeah. So and, I'm sorry um, to hear that.
1: Yes. And it was pretty sudden, but I'm not going to say it was unexpected because his mother was not one that took care of herself very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And so we really saw, you know, in the years that I had been with my husband, we really saw the decline of her health.
2: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: you know, lung cancer just took her down very, very quickly. Mm. But. Up until this year, my son was very lucky to have all four grandparents in his life, especially since we started so late in life, too.
0: And how is your husband's dad doing on his own now?
1: Well, you know, he is a force of nature. He's 81, and up until, I guess, this year or two years ago, he was skiing every day in Montreal, and in the summer, golfing every day. And I'm exaggerating to make a point, Uh but he is a very active, very dynamic individual as well, and he was married for 55 or 56 years, Mm -hmm. and she was the love of his life, and he didn't see it coming. Even though he should have, he didn't necessarily. I guess, Mm. you know, there's a protective mechanism we have about what we want to see in our spouses and stuff, and so... Was she a smoker? Yes. Okay. Okay. Heavy, heavy, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: she never quit. And so that's what I'm saying. And Mm -hmm. she became, and she was never physically active. So it it could have been more challenging. I will tell you this, whether it's important or not, that she never suffered. She went the way she wanted to in her own way. You know, she was a very self-directed person. She knew the risks, but she just really didn't care. This is what she wanted to do. And I give her a lot of credit for choosing her life the way she wanted to, for Mm -hmm. better or worse. But his father is really, really doing well. I mean, he just got back from a trip to Portugal, a golf trip, because this is the thing about the community in Montreal. They're so connected. I mean, people have known each other since they were born. They're very close-knit, and he has a lot of people that have cared for him. And I don't mean taking care of him, but just made sure that he's going out. They'll call him up. What are you doing home? Mm. Let's go out to dinner. Where are you going? You know, let's do this. So Mm -hmm. he has great friends in his life. I will tell you this one story. In June, we went to Montreal for his mom's unveiling, mm-hmm. which means he unveiled the, the gravestone. And it happened to be his dad's birthday that weekend. So we were talking to him about it, and we said we have, we're thinking of doing a barbecue at the house, at his house, and how do you feel about that? And he said, you know what? Let's have a birthday party for me. And when he said that, I was so happy because mm-hmm. it showed that he was ready and this is like I guess about five months after her death he was ready to reach out again you know what I mean mm-hmm. like ready to enjoy his life and celebrate with the people who took care of him during this time
2: mm-hmm. good and for that's him he
1: said I'm not inviting the entire family because they have a very extended cousins and stuff I just want to invite my friends and he had about 20 of his closest friends that were there for him all his life, that were there for him during this time. We had a fantastic time, and my husband and I really saw that as a turning point for him mm-hmm. to get back into himself. Mm-hmm.
0: so Wow, what a wonderful, healthy way to just rejoin the living. And that's not an easy thing to do. It takes no, a lot of we, guts, you know? Yeah,
1: and we were worried. Sure, so we're of course. We a little worried. But in this case, Ironically, I never looked at it this way, but his, Gary's sister lives in Montreal still.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, I, and then I'm here in Florida with my parents. So both of oh, us as daughters yeah. are uh-huh. living close to our parents, uh-huh. and we're the caregivers. Now, up until this point, his sister wasn't having to do too much, but she was active in terms of their care at times. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And since his mother's death, she has been integral. And not as much now because he's back on his feet. But Mm -hmm. right afterwards, she's very integral in helping him to weather that time. Very key.
0: Someone's got to be there. I was the one in my family. And just, you know, got to be the net under that person for a while. And, yeah, well, that's really good to hear. I'm really, really glad to hear that. So do you have any other last thoughts?
1: You know, I, I don't think so. I think that the overview that, that you asked me and that I wanted to say was that I'm in somewhat of a holding pattern. You know, my parents are really doing well. They're very independent, but I'm there in case and I'm there to facilitate the prevention of anything serious. That's the role I see myself in. And I don't feel like it's a burden and I don't think I'm incapable of helping you know i know that with my schedule with my lifestyle the choices i make that's part of where my allocation of time and energy goes willingly
0: and what advice would you have for people juggling work and family life as you do
1: i would say try to find a husband who actually <laughs> is really helpful which my husband is i mean he's he's actually a little more organized than i am mm-hmm. and that's Probably a thorn in his side for him because he sometimes has to push me to get on the things that uh, need to get done, but that does help you know i'm I'm not with a man who just comes home from work and expects dinner on the table. He's very proactive uh-huh. and in my son's life in making decisions about which sports he should take, and you know in in his direction as far as disciplinary action and what type of what type of person we're trying to raise. You know, we're constantly able to talk about these things. So that's really an important factor to have a supportive spouse.
0: Uh You really hit the jackpot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, honey, I worked hard. (laughs) I kissed a lot of frogs. (laughs) But I also will say that, you know, all of my past relationships I'm still friends with. Like, I, I did not choose wrong people. I just didn't choose the right people for this role. And, you know, so the fact is, even though something is right, it still doesn't make it easy. You sure. know, there's, still a, well there's said. still a lot to do,
2: mm-hmm. right? hmm
0: yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, Ruthann Pressman Zentner, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really fun chatting with you, and I feel like we just scratched the surface, but I really appreciate your time
1: and your thoughts. Well, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure, and thank you for including me in such a great podcast, and I look forward to hearing more of them.
0: Thanks, Ruthann. Take care. Thanks, bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at janna at agewise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z or Z as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at agewise.com and listen to the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or SoundCloud and download any episode at these locations for free. I'm Jana Panaritas. See you next time. Until then, age well, age wise.